As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep. It's a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand that I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation to their reserve collection, CBD gummies with 5 milligrams of THC. The Reserve Collection is a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, rich and bold, the Reserve Collection product solicits strong feelings of calm, comfort, and relief when intense support is needed. Enjoy a deeper CBD experience with Plus CBD's Reserve Collection of oils, soft gels, and gummies. All of their products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code HOFFMAN30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new Reserve Collection Gummies. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today, we're going to do a podcast that I've been very much looking forward to because we're going to cover a subject that uh, I know a little bit about, but uh, we're going to do deep dive on a nutrient that has been on my radar screen, but I haven't really been that familiar with the research that supports its use. And so today we're going to focus on astaxanthin, that's spelled A-S-T-A. X-A-T-H-I-N. You get a lot of Scrabble points for uh, putting that down on the Scrabble board. Uh, Astaxanthin is a member of the carotenoid family. And we're going to find out more through today's guest, Neil Levin. He's the Senior Nutrition Education Manager and a Product Formulator for Now Foods and Protocol for Life Balance. And he's uh, a go-to expert uh, for intelligent medicine on a variety of subjects. Uh, he's an award-winning board-certified clinical nutritionist, uh, and he serves on the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists Clinical Nutrition Certification Board, uh, also very instrumental in the development of an organization to which I belong, the American Nutrition Association. You were there at the inception, so good for you. Uh, so welcome back, Neil. It's a pleasure having you back on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks. I'm glad to be back with you for really an important subject because uh, astaxanthin and carotenoids are very, very popular right now. Okay, so let me give you my take on this. And I think it comes from, you know, perhaps I was, uh, I won't say misinformed, but I think I was underinformed about this nutrient because my original take on astaxanthin was this. I knew it was present uh, in shellfish and in krill, and it was also used as an additive for farmed salmon because farmed salmon, unlike wild salmon, uh, tends to look kind of gray and pallid. And if you put a little astaxanthin in the feed, uh, you end up with a nice pink Salmon, you know, very appealing to the consumer. And I thought, okay, fine, you know, astaxanthin is uh, nice as a, as a harmless natural food dye. You know, it's better than <laughs> red dye number three, right? Uh, but I, I, I did not 
uh, think that necessarily it had some intrinsic health benefits. I just thought, oh, you know, it's a safe thing to use. It's natural. Uh, but only recently did I become aware that it has a, a spectrum of, of benefits. So so give us a little background on this and, you know, talk about how it situates within the, the carotenoid family. What's that? Yeah, I mean, you, you are actually very apt in talking about a spectrum because carotenoids are plant pigments. They're pigments like... Uh, yellows in pumpkins or yellows in corn or yellow squash or red in tomatoes or watermelon where these pigments are carotenoids which are actually part of the terpene family and nowadays with uh, CBD and cannabis products a lot of people have heard of terpenes distinguishing uh, characteristics between different uh, varieties of the plants but in the same way, these pigments are something very important for plants. And actually, if, if anyone's familiar with the colors in fall foliage, what you're seeing when the chlorophyll fades in the greens of leaves are the carotenoids that are left and are more durable. And that's your, your orange, yellow, red colors in the tree leaves in the fall. So you're actually seeing the carotenoids in those plants and uh, of course you'll see different carotenoids in different plants even corn you could have white yellow uh, blue corn you know with different pigments in there uh, so what is the value of carotenoids these I just want to ask you do they serve do they serve right you, you okay so I was going to ask what purpose do they serve in plants and plants spend a lot of time in the sun it, it does do the carotenoids protect the plants from the damaging effects of UV rays in some way uh, yes, exactly, and they do the same for us when we consume it. So okay. uh, these are very protective pigments. Uh, one example I'll give you is in the skin, when we tan or burn in response to sunlight, that is caused by an oxidative reaction. The tyrosine amino acid in the skin oxidizes, uh, creates melanin, the pigment in the skin, which intensifies because of the sunlight, as a protective mechanism. And if that happens when we use up the carotenoids, like astaxanthin, beta-carotene, and these other types of things in the skin, uh, is when you start tanning. You're actually uh, losing your protective compounds and producing another one that the body, in its wisdom, is able to figure out, you know, there's another way to do this. We don't have these protective pigments from eating fruits and vegetables. So we're going to make it a different way. And I know that a phenomenon that sometimes occurs is in very pale-skinned individuals, if they you know, consume a lot of carrot juice, for example, they're guzzling carrot juice, uh, their skin gets a little yellow. And so literally those pigments can uh, appear beneath the skin layer as, you know, potentially protective, uh, but they accumulate uh and do they, do they in some ways act as kind of an intrinsic sunscreen? They do, and it, it's not harmful to have that color. It's just strange looking to I, us. We're not used to seeing that. I was a little, uh, I I was a little yellow when I was, I was a little yellow myself when I was a, a vegetarian, and it actually caused oh, some, yeah. some trouble during my, uh, my medical residency because uh, I didn't get out in the sun very much because we were working like, you know, 120-hour uh, weeks. And uh, somebody pointed out to me, like, did you get a needle stick? And I said, no, I don't. 
think so. He says, well, you better get checked for hepatitis because you're looking a little yellow. And I go, yeah, I'm a vegetarian. At the time I was, and I, you know, I eat a lot, <laughs> I eat a lot of vegetables and I do carrot juice occasionally. And uh, so, yeah, that, that can happen. I'm sorry. Uh, tell, me, tell me your story. Yeah. Well, about 30 years ago, there was a health food store owner in Chicago who was, it was on a pretty extreme diet and on juice fast a lot and doing a lot of carrot juice. And his skin literally looked orange yeah. from the pigments. Mm-hmm. So it's not considered harmful, but, you know, it is something that's unusual that we don't see very often. But, we give it a name. You know, it's uh, keratinemia. Keratinemia it's sometimes referred to. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, really the carotenoids are made by plants. Uh, they're also made by uh, algae, um, especially, and that's it. Actually, works up the food chain in, in the ocean. So the algae make it, and then the krill eat the algae, and the uh, salmon eat the krill, and or other fish that eat krill, and it works its way up the food chain. So when you're getting salmon in that distinctive color, it is not from them creating this carotenoid it's from them eating a source of carotenoid the mm-hmm. same way we would get it mm-hmm. so krill is a source uh but you know are there other sources in nature yeah i mean krill is about three percent uh astaxanthin that uh pinkish uh reddish uh orange uh, it, you know it, it's been described different ways depending on the intensity but that pigment is actually something that accumulates in the, and and, and uh, you you can get quite a bit of uh, astaxanthin, this carotenoid, in the algae that the krill are eating. It's about three percent dry weight mm-hmm. in there. Uh, but you know, it, it's in other things. It's in shrimp, the right. color you see in shrimp. Uh, lobster has some of that. Some of the trouts have some of that color. So uh, birds and flamingos are well known for having that color because they're eating brine shrimp and algae. Yeah, I guess flamingos, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Flamingos are rich in astaxanthin. So uh, among the other carotenoids that we find beneficial, uh, they include uh, lycopene and lutein, uh, each with, you know, unique properties, lycopene, you know, uh, for... uh, uh, prostate cancer specifically seems to be indicated. And then there's lutein, which is, and zeaxanthin, another carotenoid also protective for the eye. So, uh, is, is an argument to be made that we should be consuming, uh, uh, generous amounts of all of them, including beta carotene? Unfortunately, beta carotene used to be the only carotenoid that we would put into, uh, say a multi, uh, or when we considered taking vitamin A would be would be just beta carotene, but that's kind of like a narrow spectrum of the carotenoids. Yeah, and some formulas will use mixed carotenoids as well. But yeah, uh, yeah beta carotene really was long term the, the the best known because it can convert into the body and split into vitamin A if you have normal metabolism. So beta carotene is a safer source of vitamin A because pure vitamin A can be toxic in higher levels. It's not recommended in high doses for pregnant women, you know, those kind of things where there's no real toxicity to beta carotene. There's some indication that beta carotene's not safe for smokers if they're doing high doses of beta carotene and they don't have other antioxidants to regenerate or protect the beta carotene. It's like too little, too late 
if, mm-hmm. if you'd start taking one thing in excess. Uh, the antioxidants work as a family. They re- recycle each other. If you take one, it can actually oxidize and backfire. Indeed. Um, okay. So uh, let's focus on, on astaxanthin then. I mean, is there an argument to be made for using more astaxanthin than you might occasionally get from whatever shrimp, lobster? Uh, you know, maybe you're taking uh, krill as your source of omega-3s uh, or, uh, you know, some of the other sources. Yeah, the... Uh Amounts that have been studied are really 3, 6, and 12 milligrams a day of astaxanthin. And there is no significant toxicity. There have been dozens and dozens of clinical trials with thousands of participants um, taking daily up to 100 milligram or long-term between 8 and 12 milligram of natural astaxanthin. It can be synthesized, and they don't have all the safety studies on the synthetic form. So we do recommend the natural form, which is what you get from algae in the form that we sell as supplements. So we don't know the safety profile of the synthetics. But we are seeing some interesting things when people are going up to that 6 or 12 milligrams a day. For example, uh, for skin health, we're seeing an increase in collagen production, an increase in protection of collagen. We're seeing the skin... Improved hydration after four weeks, uh, soothed skin, improved water content in eight weeks, enhanced elasticity and smoothness of skin after eight weeks. And one reason is if you take the classic antioxidants like vitamin C, they don't penetrate the skin because the skin is made of lipids, of fats, Mm -hmm. and the vitamin C is water-soluble. So water doesn't penetrate that. Uh, vitamin C has a harder time getting through the blood-brain barrier and, and into cells. It needs transport mechanisms. Astaxanthin is a fat. It's, it's a carotenoid. It's fat-soluble. Mm-hmm. It can easily pass through cell membranes. It can get into the skin cells. It can get into uh, the collagen areas that where there's poor circulation. And it's much more permeable into all these things because it is a very similar composition to cell membranes. It's, it's a little sideline here, is it? It is said that if you're going to make, say, something like collard greens, uh, you know, you, you should make them uh, southern style, you know, which used to be made with lard uh, or a more modern adaptation, make your uh, collard greens with some, you know, saute them in some olive oil because the oil acts as kind of a vehicle to help bring these fat-soluble carotenoids, all these beneficial nutrients uh, into your system. Is, is that the case with uh, astaxanthin? It should be taken with perhaps with a, with a meal containing some fat? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I've, I've studied this, and it takes about 5 grams of fat to trigger the pancreatic lipase enzyme that helps you form the fats into absorbable shapes to get mm. through the, the gut, and, and also to trigger the bile from the gallbladder, which acts like, kind of like a fishing net to bring the fats and fat-soluble stuff back to the liver. So if you don't get the, that 5 grams of fat, which is like 5 of the big 
jumbo soft gels, you know, mm-hmm. much more than you get in a krill oil or, or even a fish oil. Uh, you know, so if, if you want to absorb fat-soluble nutrients, you need a certain amount of fat to go with them because they're fat-soluble. They're going to dissolve and be carried in fat. And the minimum I've found is about five grams to make that effective. It, now, it might be a little easier if you're doing it with a little alcohol, which we don't recommend a lot of alcohol, mm-hmm. or uh, MCT oil actually absorbs almost as well as alcohol hmm. and will carry the fat-soluble things. So people who have had gastric bypass, for example, I routinely recommend they take MCT oil with their fats hmm. to help absorb it uh, as, as a workaround. Interesting. Uh, oh, I don't know if this is maybe a challenging question, but, you know, I enjoy salmon. So I eat a, you know, significant portion of salmon, you know, maybe, you know, eight ounces of more, uh, at least once a week, maybe twice a week, you know, sometimes I have more. Uh, how much astaxanthin is delivered in that salmon? Uh, do we, do you know that one? I mean, was it, is it somewhere yeah, comparable uh, to it, 12 milligrams or is it way less? No, wild caught salmon, we're talking again. Yeah. Uh, you need about 165 grams of salmon to get 3.6 milligrams of astaxanthin on average. Translate to so it tw- ounces? To what it yeah, 128 grams. Uh, about 30 grams would be an ounce. So uh, five, six ounces of salmon mm-hmm. would give you about three and a half milligrams of astaxanthin on average. Okay, so, so at most, you know, uh, you know, I'm eating a lot. If I eat a lot of salmon, I'm probably going to get about half of what's in that uh, astaxanthin capsule, uh, the uh, extra strength capsule that uh, Protocol for Life Balance makes. Right, right. Roughly, roughly. But some you, it, yeah. it will significantly contribute to your astaxanthin uh, intake. But you'd have to eat a lot of salmon uh, every day. And what about is, is uh, the, the farmed salmon... Uh, less rich in astaxanthin because I know they use it to color it. it it's, much, yeah. It's less. Yeah, it's much less in farm raised. Okay. Like you said, they're just adding enough to, to tint the color. It's okay. not a, it's not a anywhere near the levels of that. Because I and, noticed the yeah, wild salmon is much about, richer. Uh, five or six. I'm saying it's much redder. The, it's the wild salmon sometimes very, very red, very deep red. Right. Okay. Right. And when we're talking about a serving, a serving is about the size of a deck of playing cards. And we're talking about uh, maybe two uh, milligrams of astaxanthin in a serving that size. We're really talking about five or six ounces, about two servings of salmon based on the normal protein servings, the deck of playing cards, mm-hmm. uh, just to give people a visual gauge of how much they'd okay. have to eat to okay. get that, that much. Okay, that was that was my burning question. <laughs> you capably answered it. So, uh, so this is so so the uh, protocol for life balance. We'll talk about some of the other attributes because they don't stop at just skin. But you know, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be saying, I, "I've I was sold at skin." You know, skin's such an important external uh, that a lot of people are looking for. You know, expensive potions and creams, and you know, if we can take some sort of internal product to uh, kind of uh, condition our skin from the inside out. Uh, I think that a lot of people are going to leap at the opportunity. Uh, the product uh, in question is is Anthas, excuse me, Astaxanthin 12 milligram extra strength, and that is available 
at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Uh, special offer to our intelligent medicine listeners. Uh, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information under order. Uh, okay, so uh, w- when it comes to uh, skin, uh, you know, I, I you know I don't want to make uh, claims that are unsubstantiated, but uh, you know a lot of people slathering sunscreen on their skin uh, at this time of year, and you know there, there are issues associated with sunscreen. You know, it wears off; it's not perfect, and also uh, some sunscreens are you know chemical laden. Uh, and, you know, we know that excess sun exposure associated with the risk for cancer. Skin cancers are very prevalent, uh, especially in sunny parts of the world. So uh, is it possible that astaxanthin can convey uh, some uh, protection from uh, ultraviolet uh, skin damage? Yes, because that damage is oxidative, and it's an antioxidant that will penetrate the skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, astaxanthin will also lock in moisture at the surface of the skin, so this, the skin won't get as dry, which might have some relevance to the way it's acting in the sun as well. Okay. So, I mean, don't, uh, you know, eschew your sun protection, uh, external sun protection entirely. But, uh, you know, i got to say that, you know, since I've been taking... Uh, and, and, you know, you were kind enough to send me a sample. Since I've been taking astaxanthin, um, maybe this is not great, but I go out on, on long bike rides in the sun, and um, I, I simply don't burn. I, I find that I'm much less susceptible to burns uh, since I've been taking uh, astaxanthin. You know, in the middle of the summer, you know, uh, you know, sometimes I ride, you know, at the peak sun exposure times of the day. And um, not having a problem. I mean, that's anecdotal. But, you know, I think, is, is there any research to substantiate that? Uh, there is some research on that. Uh, it's more on skin hydration and wrinkles. And, then, you know, that's more where they're going for the beauty aspect. But there is some evidence that the carotenoids have that benefit, including astaxanthin. And, in fact, some some of the astaxanthin suppliers have patents on skin protection from sunlight. Other ones have protection against eye damage from sunlight because the eyes are also susceptible to oxidative damage from sunlight penetrating. And the the various carotenoids, uh, lutein, zeaxanthin you mentioned earlier, uh, as well as anthaxanthin can get into the eyes. And getting into the eyes means they pass the blood-brain barrier. So another feature of being a fat-soluble antioxidant or free radical fighter in this case on a label would be that it is uh, something that will pass the blood-brain barrier easily and get into the eyes more readily than something that's water-soluble. The blood-brain barrier really is designed to exclude water-soluble things because Mm -hmm. the brain is mostly fat and water is actually considered a risk factor. So water-soluble things are much more scarce in the brain and the eyes mm-hmm. than fatty, lipid-based things. So you could take all the vitamin C in the world, and, and it will not necessarily get into your brain or, or support your oxidative defenses in the eyes. And I want to get into cognitive health. I also want to talk about eye health. But uh, you know, before we depart the subject of skin, um, is, is 12 milligrams of astaxanthin every day going to make me look like orange mom you know, or tan mom, you know, is it going to have a, a pigmenting effect uh, 
on on me. No, uh, actually, the high doses they're they're finding the stool looks a little red oh, okay. from the from the pigment, mm-hmm. but not they haven't seen that in the skin. Okay, I think the red the reddish color is a little more subtle than the orange. Okay, and so t- you hopefully you get a color match, you know, like a complementary kind of flush, uh, rather than uh, looking like you have hepatitis. Or red is maybe a better, right. <laughs> is a better co- color combo for especially, uh, you know, your cheeks and facial features. Okay, good. Absolutely. Uh, depending on your, you know, your, your, your underlying skin pigment. Uh, okay, good. Uh, so let's pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. A reminder, uh, com slash protocol for light balance for all the products from, uh, protocol for light balance, PFLB is, um, a great brand because, uh, they do really innovative research. It's a uh, large company, but it's nimble enough to uh, do some really outstanding product formulation. Uh, and the prices are quite reasonable. So check out dearhoppen.com slash protocol for life balance. We'll be back in just a moment uh, for uh, Neil Levin to discuss some additional attributes of astaxanthin. We're not done yet. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 